The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father will you bow He can save you from the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. 
I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Please, I ask, would you listen to the entire broadcast? Don't be offended by what I'm going to say, but listen to the whole perspective. My heart cry is for truth. I've spent my entire life searching the scriptures and listening to other people as I have sought to understand the truth. For what I desire more than anything in the world is to walk with the one who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I say this not as condemnation to anyone, but much of what I was taught as a child about the gospel was entirely false. And I've had to sort through and cast away from me what I was taught about the gospel. And I've had to search the scriptures to try to discover what do the scriptures actually teach. Now, I've listened to very fine seminary professors, theologians, as they have gone through the scriptures and pulled this passage and that passage and woven them together into a pleasing-looking garment. The problem was, the garment didn't fit me. What do I mean? It didn't deal with my sin. It didn't lead me to Jesus. Instead, it led me down a rabbit path and away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I measure, and I urge you to measure, everything you hear on this broadcast against the word of God, not against my compilation of scriptures to turn the rubber nose and make the scriptures say what I want it to say. I want you to test what I'm saying and say, is that correct or is it wrong? If it's wrong, push it aside. It's about Jesus, not about Pastor Ray being right or wrong. It's not about me being right or wrong. It's about Jesus. He was right. He is righteous. He is holy. And so I'm going to say things to you today. Some of you will be very uncomfortable with, but please listen all the way through. I'm dealing with the question of the Sabbath. Are we to keep the Sabbath holy today? And if so, how do we do that? So I'm going to begin by looking at the Ten Commandments again. And I want to make a very clear statement as I begin today. There is no passage of Scripture, either in the Old or the New Testament, that would tell us that the Sabbath day was changed to Sunday. Sunday is not the day Christians are called to worship on. Now, we can choose Sunday. We can choose Saturday. We can choose Thursday or Friday. The Ten Commandments, and let me just run very quickly through them, give us great information. God spoke all these words, Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not have other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and so on. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold you guiltless who misuse his name. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are what we call the Ten Commandments. Now, question. Would you say this command that says you shall not murder, has that command been done away with? Or is it still binding? You shall not commit adultery. Is it okay to commit adultery today? Can you be saved committing adultery? You shall not steal. Is a thief, is that okay? No. All of us would agree that these commandments very much govern moral behavior. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Is it okay to make an idol? Is it okay to bow down to an idol today? I think all of you would say, absolutely no. Well, is it okay to curse using the name of the Lord in vain? I think all of you would say, no, cursing is a sin. Well, then we come to the heart of the Decalogue. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Is that still to be kept? If all the other commands are to be kept, how can you separate out the very heart of the Decalogue, and say the Sabbath day is not to be kept. Please, I'm going to come and say a very bold thing to you. You will find no evidence anywhere in Scripture that any of these commands of God, spoken that we know of as the Ten Commandments, not one of them has been canceled They are all still binding. Now, does that mean we're under the law? Absolutely not. The law was meant to lead us to Jesus. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But let me read one other passage of Scripture in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wander with shelters? When you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well watered garden 
like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of the broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I was sitting in Pastor David's office, Pastor David Wilkerson from the Times Square Church, and we were talking about finances. I was just at the beginning of starting the National Prayer Chapel, and he was helping me. In fact, he financed the opening of the National Prayer Chapel, over $100,000. And I said to him, Brother David, financially, you're doing very well. What's the secret? He laughed. He said, let me read it for you, Ray. He called me Brother Ray. He opened his Bible to this passage in Isaiah 58. And he read to me what I just shared with you. And he said, Ray, that's my secret. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the old age foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. Anyone who knew Pastor David would say that was an exact description of what Pastor David Wilkerson did in America and around the world. But now there's a passage of scripture that seems disconnected from this. Like, where did that come from? Let me read it for you. Be curious with me. Walk with me. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken this. What a strange verse to be at the end of Isaiah 58. Until you consider it's at the very heart of the reason why a fast, as described in Isaiah 58, is effective. You keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please, or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that what we want? Is that what you want? It's what I want. I want to find my joy in the Lord. Now we're reading under Old Covenant. Let's go to New Covenant. If we listen to what Jesus had to say about these laws, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. This is Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 17. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, wait a minute. What about the man who teaches that the Sabbath can be discarded? 
that it no longer counts. Oh, we'll keep the law that says you should not commit adultery. We'll keep the law that says, oh, don't don't create an idol. We'll we'll keep the, the law that says don't steal. But that fourth commandment, we don't want that. That's that's a Jewish tradition. Oh, wait a minute. Is it a Jewish tradition not to murder? Is it a Jewish tradition to not curse? Is it a Jewish tradition? Or is it God's command? Well, listen. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, an Arabic term of contempt, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and and offer your gift. If you look at verse 27, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And see, in today's church, we've easily skated right around those commands of Jesus, and we have discounted his law. And we've discounted him by saying, oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't be so radical here. We're all sinners before God. You can never stop sinning. That's what the devil said. That's not what God says. Read Romans 6. It's very clear. The old man is to be destroyed. The old man of sin is to be destroyed from my life. I am set free of my sin. He says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. But we say, no, no, no. Sinners entered heaven. You can continue to sin, and when you die, your sin will be taken away. No, it won't. They're lying to you. Well, I won't go through all of the Beatitudes and and the Sermon on the Mount. Suffice it to say that when Jesus came to preach about the law, the Ten Commandments, He expanded their meaning. He took it beyond the scribes and the Pharisees. So when he talks about adultery, he says, when you've looked at a woman in lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart, and you're guilty. Or he's saying, if you break any of these commands, if you... If you look at a a brother and you're bitter and angry, you've already murdered him in your heart. And you're guilty before God. And you're hell-bound. You can't be saved. So Jesus treats the law by expanding its meaning, by broadening it, deepening it, creating a place where we can walk in the teachings of Jesus. So, let's go to the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, that is, stopping from your own labor, still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also 
had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. And frankly, can I say it? Yes, I will say it. The church today has not put any faith in the blood of Jesus Christ to wash and cleanse our sins away and to, and to regenerate us and to make us new. That's what he wants to do. Now listen. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Remember I shared yesterday Genesis, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The rest of God is the Sabbath of God. Now watch. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. This is Hebrews 4, verse 4. And on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. And again in the passage above, it says, And they shall never enter my rest. It still remains. Listen. It still remains that some will enter the rest. That is, some will enter the Sabbath. For those who merely had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. How do we deal with this? We're at verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now let me try to bring some things together so that they make more sense to you. And we're going to deal again tomorrow with this message but you know what it says in Revelation the command is that we come out of Babylon that God's people come out and be separate Revelation 18 Verse 4, Then I heard another voice from heaven say, 
Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Now let's bring it all together. Let's make some sense out of all of this. No command in Scripture tells us to no longer worship on the Sabbath. What Hebrews 3 and 4 tell us is that the Sabbath for the New Testament and the New Covenant is a description of entering into Jesus. It is the way of the Christian life. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, when we are reconciled to Jesus Christ, we enter into him. We enter into Jesus Christ. The 15th chapter of the book of John. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, obviously, we're not going to be in Christ one day a week. When we are brought into Jesus Christ, we are there seven days a week. Now listen to what that means. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. That is, the Father prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain or abide in me, and I will abide or remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. What he's describing here is what we know as the Sabbath. But not one day a week. It's ceasing from our own labors. There was no command in the fourth commandment that we should gather to worship publicly. That was added. It was simply we were to rest. We were to stop all labor. Stop creating for ourselves our own lives. Stop lighting our own torches and going our own way. We were called to be one in Jesus Christ, to abide in him. Now, we're tempted today to go out and just do what we want to do. The greatest temptation of my heart and my life, for which I am deeply grieved, has been, oh, you want that? It's okay. Go ahead and take it. You want this? No problem. Grab it while you have it. No. I'm not here to live for my own pleasure. I'm not here to live for Pastor Ray Greenley. I'm here to live for Jesus Christ. I am here to dwell in Jesus seven days a week. Constantly. Watch. This is the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. Verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you or abide in me. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now understand, Jesus is now taking on being literally Sabbath. Another name for Jesus could be Sabbath. It is Jesus in whom we are called to abide, to dwell in, to live in. You are not to go out and live your own life, doing what you please, going where you please, moving where you please. That's not what Jesus has called us to. He's called us. Let me let me just read this to you quickly. <clears throat> Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is first John, the second chapter, verse fifteen. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now, let me just ask you, do you basically live your life for what you want? Or do you live your life for what Jesus Christ wants? Do you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or do you seek first your kingdom and what you desire? Now, I don't know how else to put this. When I read Hebrews, the third and fourth chapters, it's clear that the Sabbath is a symbol of entering into the rest, the salvation with Jesus Christ. And the call for every New Testament Christian is to live the Sabbath day seven days a week to totally be given to Jesus and do during those seven days of the week only what Jesus would want us to be doing. So wherever we go, whatever we're doing, we're doing according to his command. We're doing at his direction. We're doing at his invitation. So we are totally given over to Jesus Christ. And we are connected in the vine. So you go to church, and when you leave, you clip the vine. Now you are free 
to go do whatever you want to do, to say whatever you want to say, to think whatever you want to think. No. I want to remain connected to the vine. The reason the church today in America is in total apostasy is it has believed false theology that allows for a Christian to walk in sin, to live their life as they choose with a certain cultural understanding that they're saved and on their way to heaven when nothing could be further from the truth. Or some say, we keep Sabbath and you should keep Sabbath the seventh day of the week. Well, they're right. Sabbath is the seventh day of the week. But when God celebrated the creation on the seventh day, it says he rested and he hallowed it. He made it holy. Well, what did he do on the eighth day? He didn't go on creating. The work of creation was finished. We know that he came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening of every day. Every day was a Sabbath day. Every day was given to them to obey the Lord and do what they were to do and to walk in intimacy and fellowship with the God of heaven. I hope today has been startling to you. I hope that you'll consider reading carefully and praying through this third and fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. We are called to a radical walk with Jesus Christ. We are called to separate from the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are called to walk holy before Almighty God. We are called to turn our back on the world's agenda. And we are to have the agenda of Jesus Christ. And we're to walk that out day by day. Now, Timothy writes, or Paul writes to Timothy in the third chapter of Second Timothy, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. And that's where we are today with most of the Christian church in America, a form of godliness, but no power, no power to live a righteous and holy life, no power to call upon the name of the Lord and have him answer. No, we live in a terrible time when people love themselves, when they love money, Boastful, proud, abusive. The call of God on your life is to be utterly given over to Jesus Christ. The new covenant is that the law of God is written in your heart. You're not going to be murdering, you're not going to be cursing. You're not going to be breaking the Ten Commandments of God. Why? Because they've been put in your heart. You're also not going to be breaking the Sabbath. Because it is now expanded to describe the rest of God, according to Hebrews. Hebrews. 
and other passages in the New Testament. You are called to enter into Jesus Christ. And if you read carefully with me, and I'm going to turn to it, what shall we say then? Romans, the sixth chapter. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Well, what is that new life? It's entering into the rest of Jesus, where we cease from our own work, from our own behavior, from our own wickedness. Well, pastor, but we have to go to work. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Yes, we go to work because we have assignments there from Jesus, not to earn money, but to make it a place of witness and testimony to make it a place where we raise up new Christians. That's not happening today. Why? A lack of prayer, a lack of understanding, a lack of fasting. It's not happening because those who call themselves Christians are not really entering into the rest of Jesus Christ. They're entering into their own desires, their own ambitions, their own their own agendas. It's time to enter the Sabbath seven days a week to not do our own pleasure, but to do what the Lord wants us to do. Well, think about it. Pray about it. I can't tell you any joy greater than living in a a seven-day-a-week Sabbath. Living in Jesus. (laughs) Lord, I come to praise you and to worship you. Lord, I know this word that I've shared cuts deeply into a change of understanding for many. Because we're accustomed to being with you, Jesus, and then going our own way and doing our own our own will. We're not accustomed in America to to fasting and praying and meditating and reading your word. We're accustomed to going to a church where we have some nice little preaching and some nice little entertainment and then going and doing our own life the way we choose to do it. A form of godliness, but no power. Lord, I'm asking, please, would you come? Would you give us a new heart and a new mind? Would you show us, oh Jesus, the way of the cross? that we could walk with you and know your will and know your voice and not be separated from you, Jesus. Almighty God of heaven, we need you. We need the anointing power of your Holy Spirit to guide us Lord, every confusing word comes and we try to sort our way through all of this and find the truth. But Lord, the devil comes with every lying deception. I pray, Lord, today that every person who listens to this broadcast will be drawn into you, Jesus, and will find that place of rest in you. 
that they will take on your yoke, that they will walk with you and talk with you and find their heart's joy in you, Jesus. Please come, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I know this may raise lots of questions for you. I understand it's not been easy for me to sort through this. I'd like to hear from you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Pastor Ray Greenley. Pastor Ray Greenley at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. We're called into the kingdom of God. We're not called to come in and out of the kingdom of God. We're called to come into it, to abide in Jesus Christ. So if that's your heart cry, let me hear from you. You can also write to me or leave a message at our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I invite you to come Thursday evening. We have a wonderful time. We're reading together the book, Reese Howe, The Intercessor. This week, we're dealing with a chapter on what does it mean to be an intercessor? You're welcome to come and join us for that. It's at my home. And go to the webpage and you'll find where that address is. You're also welcome to come and join us on Sunday morning. Our worship begins at 10 and we start praying a little bit before that. You're welcome to come and pray with us. And to worship with us. Well, you know, and I know, that the Lord is calling for a holy people. He's calling for a people who will utterly give themselves over to Jesus Christ. A people who will give up their own agendas, give up their use of money as they choose, give up a life the American life. And they will give themselves to following Jesus. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean for you. You must figure that out in the prayer closet, reading the word and listening for the word of Jesus to your heart. And then obey him. Do what he calls you to do. Well, my brother, my sister, we're out of time for this broadcast today. I pray it's been helpful to you. I'd like to hear from some of you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.